The Paunch Stevenson Show. PaunchStevenson.com. Episode 312. Sunday, September 19th, 2021. This is Robert Vaughn. You're listening to The Paunch Stevenson Show. This is the Paunch Stevenson Show, paunchstevenson.com, episode 312. I am Rob. You are Greg. Yes. We, we are, have done. Hold yeah, on a minute. Yeah. 312. Right? So if you multiply that by a thousand, that's 312. Thousand, kilometers. Thousand. Three hundred twelve thousand. Kilometers. Okay. Or kilometers. Which is five hundred miles. I thought you were gonna say five hundred <laughs> miles. So we have done five hundred miles worth of the Paunch Stevenson show. Wow. This is the Paunch Stevenson five hundred. Now That's we not- have to do five hundred more. Well, no, I mean we're we don't we don't believe in the metric system, so just to be the men who Spoke 1,000 miles and fell down at your door. We can walk 500 miles. I thought you were going... I thought you were going somewhere else with that. I thought for some reason you were going to somehow convert that to 20,000 leagues under the sea or something. I don't know. I didn't know where you were going with it. 20,000 leagues under the sea. Charles Heston. He wasn't in that. He wasn't? No. I, yes, he, I thought he was. Was it? <laughs> Charles Heston? No. I don't, I'm almost positive. He was never in a Disney movie. <laughs> the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> So then I don't know what I'm talking about. The Omega Man. Oh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Was that Kirk Douglas? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. Was it? Yeah. Um, James Mason and James Kirk. James Mason. Yeah, Kirk Douglas. Peter yes. Lorre. Peter Lorre, but James Mason, yes. He talked like this. British. Yes, well, you know, he did the verdict with Paul Newman. And then he was God <laughs> in the movie with Warren Beatty, with a football player. Forget the name of it. Uh, heaven can wait. Ah. Heaven can wait. Which also starred from our last episode, Charles Grodin. Oh, uh, see? See? And Continuous. one of our favorite all-time dead actors, who also was in The Verdict with Paul Newman, from Newark, New Jersey, originally. Joe Pesci, yay! No, he's dead! I'm talking about a guy who's dead. Uh, an actor from Newark, New Jersey. Give me a hint. Give me a hint. Hint. Okay, he was in Dirty Work. Oh, Artie Lang. He's not dead! I'm kidding, I know, it pops! Hey, Mitch! Jack Warden! (laughs) I know. 
<laughs> oh yeah, that's me, Jack Watton. You know, I was then all of a sudden I was a southern guy, but I still talk like I was from Newark <laughs> in Child's Play. Really? Not Child's Play, uh, the other one. Uh, Chucky. Problem right? Child. Oh, Problem Child. Yeah, yeah. Junior. I didn't know he was from Newark. Yeah. Wow. Jack Warden. Anyway. See, he's another actor, like like how we were talking about with George Siegel, Seagal. Um how Seagal. how I only know him from when he was older. I didn't know his younger stuff. So Jack Warden, it's like I, I only know him from dirty work and like maybe Nobody knows him from anything young. <laughs> it's all old stuff. Anyway. Jack Warden. How did we get on anyway. Jack Warden? <laughs> I don't know because we were talking. I was talking about James- you-, you mentioned James Mason. Oh so yeah, I, I met Jackie Mason. Oh, he's dead. This he's one Jackie? of our celebrity deaths. I can't do him. I can't do them. No, Jackie Mason. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I don't understand. I don't really understand them. But who? <laughs> hey, ah, uh. Jackie. The fans are known. <laughs> you know what a Fanzanoon is? Nobody knows what it is. No, I, I, made it up. I don't know what you're saying. I'm Jackie Mason. Oh, Caddyshack wait. 2. <laughs> Who was in that? Were, were any of the original people in that? Uh, Chevy Chase appeared very briefly. Okay. And that was it. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody else. Jonathan Silverman and uh, Robert Stack. Robert Stack. Oh, that's my car! <laughs> Dan Aykroyd blows up the wrong car. Oh, that's my car! Oh. I can't deal with that right now. Perceptor. This is Esther House. <laughs> <laughs> so Dan Aykroyd in Caddyshack 2 played the Bill Murray role. Wait, who did? Dan Aykroyd. Oh, what a, a traitor. I mean... Then we're going to get Bill Murray again. <laughs> so they got and, the next um, best thing. <laughs> got Dan Aykroyd. And uh, Robert Stack re- uh, basically played the Ted Knight role. <laughs> and on, I love Robert You can't replace Ted Knight. <laughs> I mean, of course not. We're waiting. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, well, he's dead. So what are they going to do? He's already dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. Um, and the role that, uh, the role of the golf pro, whatever guy that, uh, um, uh, I forget that guy's name. That was the Jonathan Silverman basically played that role. From and then Rodney Dangerfield didn't do the movie, so they got Jackie Mason. Ah, another Jewish no. comedian. I can't do the jokes again. Oh, I'll tell you. Oh, I can't do them again. Do twice. Nobody, nobody respects me. Oh, I got to respect the first time. Oh, I can't do it the second time. Oh. <laughs> As I recall, um, there was something like Dangerfield, Rodney. Um, they weren't. They were never going to do a sequel. I mean, why would you? Yeah. And Rodney wanted to do the sequel. So he kept like pestering people or something, somebody to do it. So they did this whole thing. They wrote the script and everything it was going to be Rodney again. 
And then he wouldn't do it. Nah. <laughs> so they had to get Jackie Mason. He trolled them. What was the better golf movie? Uh, Caddyshack or Happy Gilmore? Oh, it was Caddyshack. What? Happy Gilmore was, close. was funny. Happy Gilmore is funny, but no, Caddyshack, Caddyshack's classic. I mean, you know, when the, the Snickers bar in the pool, uh, I think it's a turd. <laughs> I mean. All right, what about Caddyshack, Caddyshack or Tin Cup? Caddyshack. Caddyshack's the best golf movie ever. <laughs> I think that's it. I think I just named every golf movie. <laughs> oh, and then and then uh, uh, in Caddyshack 2, Randy Quaid is brought in to be another psychopath. Right. It's like there weren't enough. (laughs) You have you have Ackroyd blowing stuff up. You have Jackie Mason, nobody can understand him. What's the point of Randy Quaid? And he just shows up and starts beating up the like goody two shoes people. I don't know. Stupid. Do you remember the the cartoon uh, it used to come on with the Pink Panther. This was when we were very young, with the Pink Panther, and then it was the Ant and the Aardvark. No. Well, anyway, the Aardvark's voice was like a, like an imitation of Jackie Mason. <laughs> really? Yeah. And then the Ant was like a imitation of Jack Benny, I think it was. But why would they imitate Jackie Mason? Was he that popular even then? I, I guess so, yeah. Oh, I'm I'm here to I'm 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 here to 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 suck up some ants, some ants on the ground. I snick them up a little. No, no, wait. This says the ant's voice was supposed to be an imitation of Dean Martin. I don't know. Oh, Dean Martin. I don't know how how. I think they might have gotten that wrong. But anyway, all right. For real now. We're uh. Martin. We're all over the place here. So, what do you want to do? Do you want to do shows? Do you want to do celebrity deaths? I guess just do the deaths, since we already did one of them. All right. But you already did Jackie Mason, so... Jackie Mason, hey. Uh, When did I die? When was I born? Oh, Jackie (laughs) Mason. All right, ready? Celebrity death. Celebrity death. Born June 9th, 1928, in Wisconsin. Died July 24th, 2021, 93 years old. Comedian Jackie Mason. He was born in Wisconsin? That's what it says. Uh, And his real name was Yakov Matza. <laughs> what the country? <laughs> in Russia. Why did they do to us in Russia? <laughs> in Russia, car drives you. <laughs> in Russia, in Russia, the food chews you. <laughs> it's like okay, I get it. I get it. What else? They're in Russia, okay. They love me in Branson, Missouri. <laughs> yeah, it goes. <laughs> anyway, so Jackie Mason dead. I have, no idea, I have no idea if anyone even knows what we're talking about. <laughs> How could you not know Yakov Shmirnov? 
How could they? How could anybody know? It's so irrelevant. <laughs> but uh, that's what the Paunch Stevenson show's all about, is... Uh, Ir- irreverence yes. or irrelevance? I don't know. Well, we're take, irrelevant, so take, why not talk about irrelevance? <laughs> take your pick. All right. Uh, born April 24th, 1930. Died July 5th, 1921. Not, uh, 91 years old. Tw- uh, what am I saying? I don't even know what I'm saying. You got this wrong earlier. Died July 5th. <laughs> what did I say? 1921. Died July 5th, 2021. Nobody's listening. 91 years old. Yeah, I know. Spaceman David doesn't even listen anymore. Uh, movie guy Richard Donner. <laughs> movie guy? That's <laughs> the great director of all time. Movie guy? Actually, his real name was uh, Richard Schwartzberg. Mm. He was Richard from the Bronx. Donner. Where, where did he get Don? Well, his middle name was Don, so maybe that's where he got Donner. But anyway, he... Dick Donner. Dick Donner. <laughs> okay. That's what they called him, Dick. He, um... What did he do? He did uh, The Goonies. Well, he directed uh, Superman. Superman the movie. Superman. Lethal Weapon. The Lethal Weapon series, he created that. Scrooged. Uh, Scrooged is my favorite movie of his. Really? Yeah, Scrooge is great. Oh, okay. Scrooge is... Scrooge! Uncle my... Scrooge! Oh! I didn't know they made a movie uh, about him. No. Well, they have. I mean, there's been... I'm sure there's been DuckTales movies by now. Uh, I think there was one when we were kids. I think it was a DuckTales movie. No, I know, I know. It, it was Scrooge with... It was a movie with Bill Murray. It was like a, a take on the Christmas Carol. Yeah. Yeah, Bill Murray and uh, Bobcat Goldwaith, Karen Allen, uh, Robert Mitchum. Yeah. One of his last roles. Robert Mitchum was in that. Uh, Who wrote the Christmas They're paying your salary! Um, Char- Charles Dickens, right? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it's the a Christmas it was a, it was a Christmas Carol. That's basically what it was. But uh, it was insane. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean that that movie is timeless. I mean the Goonies, I love. Don't get me wrong, but you know, one. I mean, Scrooge is a better movie. At the end of the day, it's just a, a great movie. <laughs> Richard Donner. He also did a very, I thought it was a very good movie. It was a um, Radio Flyer, like the which wagon was about. Yes, which was about. Uh, it was actually about child abuse, but. Uh, uh. Very good movie. Very, very, very good movie. Uh, what else did he do? Was it a serious movie or a comedy yeah. movie? Yeah, very serious. It was uh, Lorraine Bracco and uh, Elijah Wood. Okay. Uh, it was a good movie. 1992. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, um, I, I, I used to watch it when I was a kid over and over again. Wait, that's... Uh, Tom Hanks. A lot of subs. Well, Tom Hanks was he was like a narrator in it. Oh, okay. You know, yeah. I mean, Richard Donner. So he also directed the original Omen. The Omen horror movie, right? Yes. Or, or uh, scary. he also did what? Sc- scary, a scary movie. Yeah. Then he also did the uh, the toy, which was a. 
the Richard Pryor, Jackie Gleason comedy. Oh, yeah, with which, uh, Scott Schwartz. Scott Schwartz. Yeah. Who we and, know. of course, another one. Yes, another one of my favorites. In 94, he did Maverick, which uh, starred Mel Gibson and that, James Garner. That was about um, Sarah Palin, right? No. Okay. I thought you were gonna I thought you were gonna say Tom Cruise. Nah. Oh man <laughs> No. No. Or what was the guy uh um, hey, Maverick. The guy who did uh John McCain <laughs> Maverick. Yeah, John McCain was the Maverick. John McCain is a Maverick. I know. I know. A what? A Maverick. <laughs> no, Maverick was great. Actually It's a cowboy movie. Yes. Old West. It's it's a comedy. But it's actually, um, it was a remake, if you will, from the original TV series that starred James Garner. Oh, well, okay. Yeah. And then, uh, obviously, Jodie Foster's in it, Mel Gibbs. A great movie. Is it serious or funny? No, it's corny. But it's great. It's one of my favorite movies. Like Tongue in Cheek? Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, And then you did Assassins with uh, Stallone and Banderas. Conspiracy Theory again with uh, Mel Gibson, Julia Roberts. Oh wow, yeah, I forgot. It was kind of it. I mean, he did some, you know, he did Lethal Weapon Four. That was terrible. <laughs> Lethal Weapon. And um, did some movie called Timeline, which I've seen. It's not very good. And uh, Sixteen Blocks with Bruce Willis, which is. Eh. And then he did the director's cut of uh, Superman Two. Uh, but he didn't direct super, but he didn't direct that movie. Well, initially he did. Oh yeah, that's right. They changed directors. They fired him. Yeah. yeah. Why? <laughs> he fought with the producers the entire time. Even so they shot when they were shooting Superman, the movie in 1977 or whatever, 78. They shot, they were going to shoot both films back to back. So Superman 1, Superman 2. And he, he got through one and he had actually shot most of two. And he just couldn't take it anymore and they, he just, he he left. And so they took a guy who was basically an editor. And they had him reshoot the scenes. And, like, Marlon Brando and Gene Hackman refused to go and do the reshoots. Um, Wait, why did they have to reshoot, though, if it was already shot? Well, it wasn't fit. No, I'm sorry. It wasn't finished. So there were some shots that they needed them to, technically needed them to do Uh. in the original script. And they wouldn't do it. I think Gene Hackman may have actually may not have been able to uh, by the time they started up production again. I think he was on a different movie. Um, But yeah, so, I mean, I've seen the Donner cut. It's not tremendously different from the original Superman 2. They use almost everything and kind of in both. So, I don't know. I mean, I always liked Superman 2 growing up. I never had a problem with it, but... Do you remember who um, they got? Who who did they replace Rich Donner with? 
Dick Lester. Yes, Richard Lester from uh, from a Hard Day's Night. He he directed a Hard Day's Night. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Yeah, That's that, I never would have guessed that. Well, I mean, and then uh, Superman three and four, of course, were not were not very good. Who did those? So that was, hmm? Did someone else do those? I don't know, look it up. I don't remember. They were they were there were problems with those movies. A lot of problems with them. You know, again, basically the, the the guys who were producing the movies, I mean they they ran they ran a studio that kind of fell apart, and it was always budget problems. I mean it's it's crazy to think that a Superman movie in the nineteen eighties, early nineteen eighties, would have budget problems like you know like you could like like you know crap in a toaster, and people will go out and see this movie. It's Superman. Yeah. But I mean, I like Superman three. That's the one with Robert Vaughn and Richard Pryor, and um, you know Christopher Reeve fights. He's he's Clark Kent, and he fights like an evil Superman. But yeah, right. Know, I thought it was right, compelling, right. but um, that was it. And then they did Supergirl with um, Helen Slater. And that was a complete and utter disaster. And they lost tons of money. There's <laughs> no money. So that, I mean, that movie, I don't know if there was any saving great, if there's any way to save that movie, but... Well, that's another guy. We're just talking about it. Christopher Reeve. Deep fake him and do the AI on the voice. You bring him back. Yeah. And Margot Kidder, everybody. Doesn't matter if they're dead, just bring yep. them all back. All right, who else? Died? If you okay, wait, hold on. If 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 movie studios start doing that, like for, for real, I'm being serious. If well, they movie can't just studios, do it. They need per- permission from the estates and things like that. No, no, I know. I'm saying hypothetically, yeah. hypothetically, but but in a serious. I'm asking a serious question. If hypothetically movie studios start doing that. Or video game studios would would you um, like let's say when when it's safe to go to movie theaters again, and you go to a movie theater and watch a movie, like 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 it becomes a normal thing. Let's say, would you like? Could you enjoy that, or or would or would it be weird for you? Well, I think it would be weird because it's not a performance. It's fake. Yeah. Right. You know, it's it's not even like it's not even like an animated series. Because the audio is wouldn't be, even be real. It would be synthesized yeah. from their actual voice. <laughs> I mean, the only thing that's real would be a basically a stand-in, right? For for the body and the script. That's it. Everything else is fake. But I mean, but but would you be like? Let's say they they made a new Superman movie, and it's Margot Kidder and Christopher Reeve, et cetera, Gene Hackman, and I would Marlon certainly Brando. go. Well, I would certainly go but, and see it if something but, but, as insane but, as that was made. But right, but would you be able to enjoy it, or would it be too distracting knowing that it's not them? Well, put it to this way: they don't have the technology to make it seamless. 
at this point. It might be 10 years from now. It might be 30 years from now. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's say 10 years from now. Like, would you be able to to genuinely enjoy movies that are done in that way? Or would it just be too weird and distracting? I think it... I, I just think... Beyond the, the weirdness and the, you know, wondering, is this... Isn't this wrong? Or whatever... If you get past all of that, I think the main problem you would have is because it's not a real performance, the acting would just stink. <laughs> right? I mean, no, seriously, like that, that would be the takeaway for me. It'd be like watching a video game. But then who do you blame? Like, do, would you say Christopher Reeves is a, is a bad actor or, or like, who's dead? Who would get blamed? I know, but I'm saying like so now. Now, who do you blame for the bad acting? The actor or the or the programmer? Like, isn't that weird? <laughs> I don't know. It's it's just you, you. It's something you could really only do in bits and pieces because it just it doesn't make sense. At the end of the day, that's <laughs> but that's why I'm saying you're like liable to see it more like maybe in video games. Because people don't really care about it as much. And it's a video game. Yeah, it's but, not really, like, so even, here's the But thing. how would it apply, like, what, but, in, but in what would it, give, me, give me an example of a video game where that would come in handy. Well, let's, no, but this is how they do all video games now. So all of these modern video games with these, like, the, it's not even a game anymore. You're just in a movie. It's like a cinematic blah, blah, blah. Right. All, so those games, these open, giant open world games and everything. The only way to do those, right, is not to program. You can't program the game and the characters and say, like it used to be, you had to program every movement a character made, every speech that it, you know, everything it, it spoke, all the stuff. And there were within very small, limited parameters of what a, a character could do, AI could do in a game. Nowadays, with these giant open world masses, you have hundreds of characters in these games. They're all over the place. And the yeah. only way... So what they do is they take a cat... Like if they're taking a voice actor, right? And let's say it's, it's Michael Ironside well-known Canadian actor, and he's he does vi vi villains now in a lot of these games, and he's doing one of the games. He doesn't go in there and read 6,000 lines to do all the lines for the character. He does some of them. And then they use the AI for the rest. So what they do now is, when they bring somebody in to do a voice, and I've seen this already, they, what they do, the voice actors, they... they give them scripts to read where you're, you know, where you're basically hitting all the different points that the AI can then d develop, uh, you know, dialogue from. And that's yeah. what they do. So it used, like I said, it used to be the person, the actor would have to do every line and every inclination and everything. No. Now they just do some of it to get a baseline and the AI does the rest. And it's the same way visually with the AI and how it thinks. You know, it's programmed to kind of do its own thing. So what I'm saying in a video game, if you wanted a video game of, I don't know, uh, 
Mario. Who? Mario. That is a video game. I'm saying if you were going to license... Let's say you were going to license a Smokey and the Bandit video game. I don't know why you would do that. But let's say you did. Yeah. Burt Reynolds well, James is dead. Bond or, or whatever. Right. But if you develop a Burt Reynolds AI, right, then yes. he's in. The, he could be in the game. As it's Burt Reynolds. But it's not. He doesn't have to be do any of it. The AI does it for him. You know, and especially in a video game where even the the most you know PlayStation Five, the cinematics in those games are tremendous, but they're not like they are in movies. They're not at that level. But only, but I'm saying is again because those are all you know computer generated. That's all they would have to do. So in a video game world, it's much easier to create a character that is dead or a character based on a, a, a movie where even if the actor is still alive, the character is from 40 years ago or 30 years ago and you can recreate them and put them in the video game. And you, the people aren't really going to say anything about that because they're going to be like, oh, you know, it's the new guy or whatever. You know. It was like when, when Sean Connery did that from Russia with Love video game. I don't know if you remember this and I was talking about it. This is ages ago. And I said, the problem with the game is, it's Connery's voice, but it's his voice at, like, age 80. We, yeah. Where in the original film, is from, you know, it was, like, 35 or 40 years earlier, or 50 years, whatever the hell it was. He's a younger guy. Now he's, you know, Sean Connery, James Bond. <laughs> it was stupid. One million dollars. But now, if you want Sean Connery, James Bond, in a video game, you just put him in there, as long as you have the license. You just put him in there. He doesn't have to read any lines. Nothing. It's all AI. But is is that a thing that's actually happening happening now, or are you saying theoretically? No, I well, no. They're not putting dead people in the video games, as far as I know. But what I'm saying is, for the voice acting now. The people mm-hmm. go in there, celebrities, they go in there and they, they spend like a day or two in the booth. They, they don't read line, they don't read the script. They read lines and the yeah. AI uses that to develop the dialogue. So if you walk up to the character, let's say, uh, I don't know, Keanu Reeves is in a video game. He's playing a character and you walk up to the character and you punch him out. Right? Because it's open world. Do whatever you want. You punch the guy out. That that AI has to react to that and say something. Right? Versus if you went up and shook his hand. So, Keanu Reeves is not recording both of those lines. He's not doing any of that. It's up to the AI to do it. You know, so if you go up there and do ten different things to this character, the AI should be programmed to react to you in some way or another uniquely. So technically, you could walk up to the person, and that AI could tell you something different a thousand times. It's just generating new thoughts, depending on how you program it. That's what I'm saying. So none of these yeah, people right, technically right. have to go in and and record lines anymore. None of them. Right. They just have to do certain ones to make a you know like a backbone on it, and then 
you know, you, you put it through. Now, they don't do that in animation because probably because of union rules and things like that. I mean, if you're, yeah, if you're going to pay right. Frank Welker to do a voice, he's going to want to be paid by the line. Like, you know, like Michael Bell or something. They're going to want to be paid by the work that they're doing and the lines. And I don't think they're going to want to go in there and get paid, you know, 500 bucks for three hours to, to speak, blah, 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 blah. And then they go away, and now this this animation studio develops, you know, eight hours worth of programming based on their, you know, two hours of work. And now they're looking at it like, wait a minute, you just screwed us. You're, you're developing lines that we didn't say. So you can't just, <laughs> I don't think you can just do that. You have to have an agreement. And if I'm an actor, right. why would I want to do that? So, do you think that's what happened with uh, Peter Cullen and the Michael Bay Transformer movies? He never says it. Or Optimus, or Optimus Prime is just going kill, <laughs> murder everybody, murder. Uh, no, I'll kill you. I'll rip your head off. <laughs> I will murder everyone. <laughs> Optimus Prime, the murderer. <laughs> it's a Quentin Tarantino uh, Optimus Prime. <laughs> so, uh, all right, next, next one, next one. Uh, born November 15th, 1929, died August 29th, 2021, 91 years old. Ed as Yes, Ed, everybody dies at 91 now. I hope I do too. It is. We'll see. We will see. Um, yeah, what was he? He was. Uh, he was on the Mary, Mary Tyler, Tyler Moore, show. Moore show. And Elf. <laughs> he was Santa Claus in Elf. Uh, he was the the guy in Up, the voice in Up. Oh wow! I didn't know. You know, I never saw that actually. It's pretty good. Ed Ashner. He's from Kansas. He was born in Kansas City. Missouri, yeah. Hmm? In Missouri. Yeah, well, I mean, there are two of them. And then, born... Okay, so not everyone is 91. Uh, Born June 2nd, 1941... Died August 24th, 2021, 80 years old. Charlie Watts. Charlie Watts, Rolling Stones. I'll let you talk about him. Well, I, I, uh, what are you going to say about the guy? I mean, the guy is one of the legendary, you know, rock and roll drummers. Supposedly. Supposedly? What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know. Even Paul McCartney said it. Oh, that's right, love. Well, I have to say about that's, Charlie. That's right, love. Charlie was a beautiful like man. A beautiful man. And he, 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 uh, uh, did you see the video that McCartney did? I did, yeah. Ugh. He's, he's know, like he, sitting he, on he his was, steps. He was a rock, he, he was a rock in the stones, <laughs> you know. 
you know, you had Charlie back there. And Charlie was fantastic because he was back there and he was he was playing the drums. And he was back there <laughs> and he was just beautiful, man. Just beautiful. And I'm like, oh, God. Right. It's like, you're not saying anything. Stop it. But that's him. I know. Yeah, I, I, I was happy. I was happy uh, to see the Stones uh, a few years ago at uh, the MetLife Stadium in uh, East Rutherford, New Jersey. That's right. Yeah, we saw them. You were there? Yes. I don't remember that. <laughs> yeah, remember? You didn't tell me. Yeah, we knew. No. After we after that's my point. <laughs> that is my point. Here's what happened. I go to this concert. I brought my mom. She wanted to see them. And these other friends oh, of was... ours, Jason Wesley. Wait, I didn't know she was there. What's the difference? So hold on. Uh, I know. So we're all other people are there. I saw other people that I knew randomly walking around in the concourse. I, I see it. Watch this whole concert. Great concert. I go home. At some point, Rob posts stuff on Facebook or something. I said, you were at the Rolling Stones concert? Yes. He goes, yes. I'm like, you never told me you were going. Because I didn't know you were going. Oh, come on. Why would I not have gone as an actual Rolling Stones fan unlike you? I don't know. Listen, uh, I, I've said this a long time ago. I mean, you sat nowhere near me, but that's besides the point. No, no, nah, I was up. I was like way up in the sky. But With Lucy? I, 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 maybe. You know, that was a concert. That was one of those concerts. It's in the big stadium. And there's security, and oh, you can't get in without a printed out ticket, you know, whatever. You got to like, you can't just show the phone, like the PDF on the phone. You got to actually print it, whatever. It's all this security, whatever. And then, and then I, you know, I, I'm in there sitting in the seat. There's no security whatsoever. And uh, all the old people, I'm surrounded by old people, and they're all doing drugs. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you compare that. To a place like New Jersey Performing Arts Center, where we're trying to take a picture of uh, Ringo on stage, <laughs> and you got the the guards with the flashlight, like like maximum security. Uh, no, give me the camera. I have to delete it. You're not allowed to. It's like, what? come on. Well, that's unfortunate. Yeah, but that's that venue. They always do that there. I know. They're just idiots. But then, but then we're at a real big, you know, real giant. Uh, well, again, it's a big it, stadium. What are you? What are you? And nobody cares. What are you stealing by taking pictures with a point and shoot camera from six thousand feet away? Of nothing. Mick, of you know, ninety year old Mick Jagger when it's already being recorded, broadcasted. Blah 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 blah. Yeah, but I, but the same thing at the New Jersey Performing Arts. What am I stealing? Uh, what, what am I taking away? Uh, I know. How am I diminishing the thing by taking stupid. a picture of Ringo from 40 rows back? Like, I, come on. It's stupid. I will say, when I saw McCartney in Philly, good God, everybody there was smoking weed. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, do you idiots realize this is not the Grateful Dead? This is not Pink Floyd? <laughs> This is not even McCartney's not. It's not like he's doing, you know, the uh, a revolver 
or something like that or right. whatever, you know. And then the later albums when they actually were on drugs, he does some of those songs, but like most of his, what he does are like the early Beatles songs, Wings, blah, blah, blah. I mean, right. it, none of it is like psychedelic. What, do, what is Ebony the and Ivory. Oh, God. Why do you have to be... And then, of course, you know, why do you have to be high? The only songs you have to be high on are the any of them where, God forbid, he does that he's written in the last 30 years. That's Those are the awful. ones you need the drugs for. Awful. Sing, sing, sing. I'm like, are you, what are you, you Neil Diamond? <laughs> I got to sing, sing, sing. Freedom. Sing, sing, sing. Freedom. Just shut up. <laughs> Sing, sing. I don't, I, that's what all the sounds, his songs sound like. They're horrible. <laughs> uh, so, so something that I've said on the Paul Stevenson show a long time ago, something that I observed, a thing that happens that I observed, is that when a celebrity dies, even if you know, look, I'm not saying they had to be horrible, but if they were okay. And then they die. All of a sudden now, here comes everyone out of the woodwork, worshipping them, calling them a genius. Yeah. So, and, and a legend, legendary, and all this kind of stuff. Like Charlie you know, Watts hey, is definitely legendary. I don't know how you can not say that. But, but I don't... Maybe I just have a different definition of the word genius. But well, I didn't say he's a genius. I mean, he's not Keith Moon. Not you, but... But everyone else John calling Bonham. this guy a everyone else calling him a gene a, a drumming genius. I'm like, <laughs> he was like, I'm not trying to be mean. He died. I'm, I understand. I want to be respectful. But look, I don't know that I would call anybody in the Rolling Stones a genius. <laughs> I just always found his drumming to be not that good. But he does what he has to, right? I mean, he's up there. he made a living. He made a very successful living off it, so who am I to, to criticize? Exactly. But I just, I don't know. Everyone, oh, what a, what a, he was, he was the, the, the backbone of the rolling stuff. I'm like, Listen, really? By the way, speaking what? of, speaking of drummers, this is a thought I had. I was arguing with somebody this, the other day. Yeah. This idiot who was insisting to me that if he ever met Chad Channing, he would have him sign the Nevermind album, and I told him, you're a moron. To do that, Dave Grohl yeah. was the drummer in the band on the album. They'd already gotten rid of Chad Channing because he sucked. Am I wrong? Well, <laughs> um, you are correct. Yes, Dave Grohl played the drums on Nevermind, of course, obviously. Why would he have... I mean, he could have whoever he wants sign the album, but... Um, he was why just, did they get the He was arguing with me about the validity of this guy as a member of Nirvana, and I said, yes, he was in the band for a year and a half, or whatever it was. They had other drummers before him. It wasn't like... The, first of all, it wasn't like that band did anything in their early years that was musically you know, groundbreaking, they blew up right. with that album. Right. It's that simple. And then they put out that com compilation album, Insective Side, or whatever the hell it was. That, eh. Right. But right. 
I'm just saying it was an argument between me and him about the validity of Chad Channing as a, quote, Nirvana drummer. And I said, well, he was in the band, yes. But to me, that's like saying, um, you know, the Beach, you know, the, the Beach Boys. But that's like saying somebody came in to uh, uh, a Rolling Stones session and played, you know, the harmonica or played the piano or whatever. Like, well, they had that guy that did that. But I'm just saying, like, I wouldn't consider <laughs> right. the And that guy was a big part of the band, the guy that played the piano for right. the old guy, whatever his name was. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But I don't consider him a rolling stone. I don't. So, to me, Chad Channing is not a Nirvana band member. Former member. Former, but I don't consider him. Like, when you say, who's the members of Nirvana, I don't consider Chad Channing. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's. Uh... I think it's simple. That's a trick. Nah, see, I think it's true because he was there for a few years. He was he was on the first album. That's him. Yeah, but that's Chad I, Channing. And uh, you know, I listen to the music, and I'm like, I know Kurt Cobain. One of the reasons he gave for getting rid of Chad Channing was that he wasn't. A good enough drummer but i'm like his drumming sounds perfectly fine to me i don't know what the problem was but well they probably just didn't uh, like it yeah maybe he didn't like <laughs> or, or like he down. would say like he would get tired he couldn't he, he didn't have enough stamina or whatever and like maybe yeah maybe yeah. but his, his actual drumming was fine well i think he's, he plays I, guitar he's a good musician actually yeah. like he's a i think that would it um, i think their problem was more like they were like He's in the studio and he doesn't have, like you said, he doesn't really have the energy in the studio. And I don't know how he was live. Maybe he was falling asleep. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, because they're playing so loud. You have to hit hard yeah, for like an hour and, and he would need breaks and, and from hitting that hard. Well, Dave Grohl didn't need a break. Right. That's right. So. Well, that's a guy who doesn't even play but drums yeah, anymore. So. It's, uh, it's like. And, 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 and I don't say – look, I don't say this in a derogatory way. I know people will laugh or whatever. I don't say this in a derogatory way. I say this in a very serious, legitimate way. But it's like getting Pete Best to sign uh, <laughs> um, a Hard Day's Night album. It's like, okay, but he didn't play on the album. Like, I don't know. It's uh, – Well, anyway. I mean, Pete Best was never – what did – what was he? What was released with him? Like the anthology, right? It was pre. Yeah, it was pre EMI. It was like live stuff: the Cavern and Hamburg and eh. that kind of stuff. Anyway, but, moving on. Yeah. Uh, oh, one more celebrity death, actually. Uh, let me. I'm just pulling it up here. Okay. Uh, this one I'm surprised about. So born March 31st, 1964, died August 14th, 2021, 57 years old, Todd Hillier. Yes. A.K.A. Fez. Fez Watley. Now, what is it? This, this surprises me. Ron he was and only Fez. 57. Ron and What Fez. happened? Well, he was uh, Fez. Um, 
Fez, uh, you know, he had mental issues, um, but he had, uh, you know, he was diabetic, and he had, the guy had literally, I they lost track, he may have had 20 heart attacks, and wow. 9 million stents and everything, he just, he just was in failing health, and, uh, and died. But, but Ron, from Ron and Fez, I mean, to me, like, again, I'm, I'm not trying to put him down, but like... If I had to pick who was in worse health or took less care of themselves, I would have said Ron, not Fez. Actually, no, actually, uh, uh, Ronnie B., Ron Bennington, uh, he's lost a lot of weight. He's in pretty good shape now. Oh, good. And has right. been for the last yeah. uh, several years. But, yeah, Fez was in bad shape. But that was uh, – I used to listen to them. Yeah, that was a go-to for mine. I, I For me, I remember on WNEW – when they first got there, which I don't know when that was, 2000 or something like that. And they they were, Bennington originally did something called the Ron and Ron Show in Tampa, Florida. And then Fez became like part of that. And then they moved, they eventually moved up to New York. And they were on NEW like overnight. And it was the craziest thing. Well, actually, the show was called Ron Ron and RonFez.com or RonFez.com or something. And even that, I, I was like, why are they calling this show .com? This doesn't make sense. But, uh, <laughs> right. you know, but Fez did this like flamboyant gay character. And of course, he eventually admitted he was gay. But at the time, you know, it was like a, like a culture shock. You're listening to this like, like, my God, so there was like this flamboyant gay character on, on FM radio. You know, like this In never York. <laughs> major, yeah, like major radio. I mean, yeah. I guess if you're going to do a character like that, then you, I guess New York is where you want to be. Yeah, right? well, he, so he was on, they were on the overnights and, you know, eventually uh, they, they did that. And then when Opie and Anthony got fired from WNEW for the, uh, for the St. Patrick's Cathedral thing, um, they moved... Ron and Fez to Washington, D.C., which made no sense. And that's when Fez got, he got, he just got all, his head was like all screwed up. And then when they started XM and, and Opie and Anthony went to XM, they hired Ron and Fez and they were doing the afternoons. And that's when I was really listening to them all the time. And they just, unbelievable show. I mean, Fez was, I mean, Ron's funny. He's a comedian, but Fez was unbelievable with the bits that he would do. Like he would do these bits, and he would he would he would pay it off. I mean, he would. There was times where they did a bit. They would do a bit like, you know, Fez has to wear like a, the same has to wear the same T-shirt every day, and he would do it every single day for like two years. The shirt had like nothing left to it, and he's still wearing it. He would just he would do these crazy bits like that all the time. And then they did this thing with the with some of their their producers and everything. They did this thing where they would have a hip, they would have a hypnotist come in. And the hypnotist with Ron egging all this on, the hypnotist would supposedly hypnotize Fez and some of the other people and make them say stuff, do crazy things. And Fez would start imitating other radio hosts. It was hilarious. And the reality was, there was no hypnotist. There was a guy there, but he was not a real hypnotist. You can't hypnotize somebody to do this stuff. It was all a bit. 
And that was the whole thing with Ron and Fez. You never knew what was the bit and what was real. You just, you just never knew. And I remember in 2014 or 15 or whenever it was when they, when Fez retired from the show and they had the last show and I, I went to Manhattan and I, and I said, I want to, I want to get a picture with both of them, have them sign something. And they did. They were very nice. And even then, People, because even then I was prying Fez. I was like, listen, I don't know if I'm ever going to see you again. Tell me now if that hypnotism was a work or a shoot. And he wouldn't admit it. <laughs> and even then, mean? people were like, they saw my pictures and they were like, we still think this is a work somehow. Like, it might take... What does that mean? What? A work. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bit. It's like a put on. Like in wrestling, it's a oh. work. Oh yeah, of course. So they were like, they were like, no, he didn't retire. He'll be back. Two, it'll two years. He'll sit out two years and come back and pay off the bit somehow. And no, I mean he actually retired. But um, so, so like a like a like an Andy Kaufman type yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. character, more or less. But yeah, that was. Uh, I still listen to old. Ron and Fez clips that are on YouTube and everything all the time. And it's just, it, it was an, it was just an unbelievable show. The Opie and Anthony show was funny. There were times when that show was like piss your pants funny. But the Ron and Fez was like every day was something else. Because every, like every intern and every producer that Ron had on this show was a disaster. <laughs> they were, Oh yeah, they were, what was they um, were all they had? Al black. Dukes. They had, was... Well, they had Al Dukes a while ago. Al Dukes now runs a lot of like sports shows and stuff. They oh, had yeah. Al Dukes. The, the, they had this guy Billy Staples who belonged in a yes. mental institution. Billy Staples. <laughs> they had they had Black Earl. They had Eastside Dave. They had Chris uh, uh, Pepper Hicks or whatever his name. They, it's just like one psychopath after the next. And they would have fights. They'd get drunk. It was just just madness. Every single day on that show was madness. The, I the 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 obviously people that hear this they wouldn't know, but the closest I would get to was like how we used to act in like grammar school when me and you and yeah. all of our friends were together, and we were always doing like pranks and just just crazy silliness and exaggerated stuff and everything. And that's how this show was, you know, for, for years and years and years. So he will be missed. Next. See ya. All right. So TV reviews. Uh, I'll do one very quick. So I was telling you a little while ago, I finally got Hulu, my sister's account. I'm not paying for it. And. Okay. I mean, technically, I could have watched this on demand or something, but I watched on Hulu. They had the the FX series People vs. O.J. Simpson, the uh, that American crime, the the one with um, you know Sarah Paulson and John Travolta, um, uh, etc. Who played Johnny Cochran? Um, was it the um? The Jackie Childs guy? No. no Andre Brown? I, 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 it was Andre I Brown. don't know. Uh, anyway. Let me see. Anyway, so uh, David Schwimmer is Robert Kardashian. 
Yeah. And OJ's played by Cuba Gooding Jr., which made no sense. So it's a miniseries. I forget. It's like eight or ten parts or something. And it's Wait, a drama. Courtney Vance. Courtney Vance. So I'm, I'm watching this Wait, thing. Yeah. And I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was really good. Um, I don't know how accurate it was at the end of the day. But um, I thought it was pretty good for the drama that went on behind the scenes. With all the craziness and the crazy characters and lawyers and... Just all the just the nuts, the nuttiness that you know went on with that trial. I thought it was really good. I, I would uh, I would definitely recommend it. You know, plus it's always nice to see a well done, you know, historically accurate show or a movie about like the nineties. You know, like <laughs> yeah. nobody like they're just now starting to do that. Um, there was a show on something called Freeform. It was called Cruel Summer. And I watch it. It's really for teenage girls. But I, I watch it because I wanted to see how accurate. It takes place in like 93, 94, 95. And I just wanted to see how accurate this was. Because I was watching the trailer and the, the person was like, this is my 15th birthday of, in like 1993. And I was like, wait, that's my age. Let's see if it's accurate. And they were pretty good with was the accuracy. Yeah, they were okay with the accuracy. Um you know, with the clothes and the technology and and things like that, uh, I thought it was pretty good. But uh, yeah, the people versus OJ, I thought was great. Now, how many times did David Schwimmer say we were on a break? What? <laughs> Nothing. That, is that a friend's um, thing? Did they? Yeah, of course. Did I'm, they? Uh, was there any? Well, it's official. <laughs> No, they did not no. have anyone playing Norm Macdonald. Uh, oh, come on. In the People versus OJ. <laughs> that, dude, that oh, was... Boy. I was screaming. I've said this before on the show. I know, yeah. We've when said Norm MacDonald on Weekend Update, right after the verdict, and he said, well, it's official. Murder is legal in California. I was howling. Howling! <laughs> I know when he the did old that. Time classic. Yeah, I know. Got him fired, but. <laughs> oh, so my. what else? So people versus OJ. That was great. Now, sorry. So speaking of late night, I was also watching on Hulu. Just watched this like yesterday. There was a documentary called "Too Funny to Fail: The Life and Death of the Dana Carvey Show." Which I remember, by you the really, way. You really do? I hardly remember. It, was, it, was, it only ran for about two months in, in March and April of 96. Yeah, it, was, it, was, it came and went. Yeah. So, it's it's incredible show that had, you know, it starred Dana Carvey. But the writing team was, it was like Robert Schmeigel. It was Louis C.K., it was all John Glazer. It was all these people that, you know, went on to do incredible things in comedy were working on this show. And then they also had, because they got a bunch of people from um, Groundlings and Second City. And so they had Steve Carell and Stephen Colbert as, you know, yeah. the, 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 as some of the guys that were doing all these, these sketches. 
<laughs> it was it was Bob Odenkirk. Bob Odenkirk wrote on it. Yeah, it was a lot of SNL guys. And and so, you know, they did this show with all these crazy bits, and basically, like Rob Smigel was, you know, Rob Smigel has a pretty you know sadistic, sick, you know, level of humor. And they were on at 9.30 p.m. right after Home Improvement (laughs) (laughs) on ABC. Very, yeah, different, different audience. Yeah, and, and, (laughs) and so the first episode they did, the first segment was Dana Carvey doing Bill Clinton with, (laughs) with breastfeeding babies and puppies. And laying eggs and just absolute insanity that yeah. you could never do now. <laughs> and the ratings, like, dropped yeah, immediately. Was, was, yeah. and, and ABC were all angry. And so this kept happening, and they got all these bad reviews. And then after a few episodes, like, they got, they kind of started generating, like, a cult fo- following, and the critics were positive. And the other thing was they didn't have, I guess they had commercials, I don't know, but they used to do like they did back in the 50s, they would have like a sponsor. So the first episode was sponsored by Taco Bell, and then they would do these, and then it just got worse. And then it was so at one point, I'm just jumping around here, at one point, the, the, um, <laughs> the sponsor is Diet Mug Root Beer. And in the intro... They have a bunch of fat people dancing around, and they say, Hey, if you drink Diet Mug Root Beer, look at us, we're going to drink Diet Mug Root Beer. And they go off screen, and a bunch of skinny people replace them. (laughs) And then it got worse. Then they had Mountain Dew. And they decided to have people dress up as the different chemicals in Mountain Dew, and proceeded to have segment after segment where they were like, This this Mountain Dew is disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the, you know, the, uh, I I like absurd humor. I like wacky humor and and uh, sometimes interest. You know, but but I also like it to be clever and smart and and interesting. I just feel like every once in a while I'll go on YouTube and watch some clips and like, oh yeah, I remember that. I just feel like even though you had all of these writers and and uh, and the cast who were like people who went on to 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 do uh successful things yeah. i i just feel like it just it was just bad <laughs> well like, yes there's wacky but then there's like wacky like this is just bad like it's just wacky to be wacky it wasn't like good. they had they this segment where they did as the pranksters and it was dana carvey and steve carell and they would go to, they'd go up to like the Burger King window and order all these food. And they're like, ah, we're going to screw them. Yeah, we're going to show them. And they would give them the money and drive off screaming and yelling and laughing like they just pranked them. But in reality, right. they handed over the money, didn't even get the change or the food. Right. Yeah. And then they did, like, like, they went up to the like movie stupid. theater. They paid for the tickets. And the lady's like, they give them like, you know, $20. And the lady's like, ready to give the tickets and they run away like laughing like haha got you this uh, dude it was like it was stuff that like 15 year olds would think of to do like like when we had mass comm that kind of 
dumb humor, nonsensical, stupid stuff is what we would have done if we had actually had free reign to do whatever we wanted. Would have been stuff like that. Where, like, you don't get the punchline. Like, forget about the punchline. It's just about being zany. And yeah, and then, then there was another, there was another one where they, a bit where they did where <laughs> they had each guy coming up as, oh, it was some kind of an award ceremony. I was the Emmys or whatever they were making fun of. And so the guy gets up there and, oh, it's a foreign language. It's like one of those, you know, the Oscars was like foreign language film, whatever. So it was like best foreign language animated short, blah, blah, blah. You know, they made it up. So <laughs> the guy that's giving out the award is, you know, blah, 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 blah. And the nominees are, and then he says the one guy who's from Africa and the African guy doesn't understand English, thinks he's won because he hears his name. So he starts celebrating and runs up there. Then there's a Chinese guy. Is Dana Carvey is a Chinese guy doing the most racist Chinese guy impression you could ever do. Like, you would never be able to get away with any of that stuff. So then, right after it, Stephen Colbert goes, oh, by the way, I just want it to be known, I was playing, you know, uh, Charlton Heston. Because like, I wasn't doing the racial stuff. I was doing Charlton Heston or whatever it was. But it was just, it was hilarious. I thought. I don't know if I would have laughed at it at the time. I, I truly, I truly don't know. But um, yeah, I mean, some of the stuff. I'm not saying it was all horrible because it, it was just very hit or miss. And and like you said, a lot of it was like teenagers just goofing around. Well, they or, or did came the across. first. That was the first, and well, they only did it once on that show. But that was the first time they did the ambiguously gay duo. Yeah, which was hilarious on SNL, but that's at 11:30 midnight on a Saturday, <laughs> not. Yeah. You know, 9.30 on a Wednesday or Thursday or whatever night it was. And people didn't get that. They didn't like it. You no. know, and uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's hilarious because it's like Smigel is just, Robert Smigel has no regrets at all. He's like, I, he's basically like, I know that we killed ourselves with everything we did on this show, but he's like, I don't care. Well, I, yeah, I don't know. But the documentary, even if the show, even if you think the show stinks, the documentary was very good. I thought it was funny. Yeah, I was going to, well, I, I mean, uh, speaking of Robert Smigel, he co-wrote You Don't Mess With the Zohan. So, again, hit or miss. <laughs> not, I'm not trying to say bad things about it, but like, Hit her because that movie was horrible. Yes, horrible. Right. I know. I'm not, not disagreeing. Not funny. And then the other so, the other uh, documentary I saw was called Batman and Bill. And um, Bill who? Bill Finger. Ever heard of him? Bill Finger? No, I heard of Freddie Got Finger. No. But, no. Well, actually, his his Not. actual real life son was Fred Finger. Wow, <laughs> that's that's uh, wow, Daddy. But so okay, Daddy, so, I want ham, Daddy. Uh, All right, so who is uh, who's Bill Finger? So 
basically, the documentary is about this guy, Mark Nobleman or Noppleman or something like that. I should get his name right. Let me get, <laughs> get the guy's name right. Uh, let's see. Batman and Bill. The Hulu documentary. Mark Tyler Nobleman. Mark Tyler Nobleman. So, he was a researcher, and he wanted to write a book. I guess, you know, he was also a Batman fan, comic book fan. And he was looking to write a book. I, I you know, he... Somehow, in, his, in doing his research, he realized that there was this guy named Bill Finger who worked for DC Comics in New York back in the 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s. And he died in the 70s. And he he knew that he wrote Batman comics and other comics for DC. But back in those days, they did not put everyone's name on the comics as they do now. Or now it's like everybody that does anything on the comic has, is on there as a credit. And they didn't yeah. do that back then. Well, same with movies and, and, and cartoons. Same with everything yeah. back then. Albums, re record albums, right. everything. So, Bill Finger, what the guy discovered through some old uh, recordings and things from like the 60s, he realized that this guy, Bill Finger, had written most of the Batman stories. Now, he wasn't the only one. There were some other people who would wor work on the Batman comics uh, Bob Kane, who has been for many, many years, 75 years, known as the creator of Batman. But when you read a Batman comic in the 30s or the 50s or the 60s, 70s, it said Batman by Bob Kane. Not only did it say created by Bob Kane, but the comic book said Bob Kane. So if you bought a Batman comic in 1958, right, that Bob Kane probably did nothing on at all. It said Bob Kane. It didn't say, you know, inked by blah, 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 written by so-and-so. It just said Bob Kane. So you're going Why? through history, you know, historically you're looking at it and saying, well, Bob Kane did everything, right? I mean, nobody else did anything on Batman. He created everybody, the Joker, the Penguin, blah, 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 blah. So what this guy found out was that in reality, people... Numerous people, this happened in the comic book industry for decades, where, you know, people would do the work for the main guy, but he would get the byline. They would get no credit. And so Bill Finger was doing all this work, getting, you know, the meager salary. And in reality, Bill Finger was the guy who was creating all of these characters, the Joker, the Penguin, Catwoman. All of them, all the mythos of Batman, you know, Gotham City, all this stuff. He was the guy doing it, not Bob Kane. And Bob Kane essentially lied about that for years. And so the initial story is they knew each other. And in 1939, Bob Kane decided he was, he was going to submit a comic book idea to whatever the company with DC was called then. I forget what it was called. And he met with this guy, Bill Finger, in the Bronx to figure out, you know, what are we going to do? So Bob Kane had an idea. Uh, he had the, the general gist of the idea. And he was, you know, he drew 
of the Batman, and he drew, like, a thing and all. And, but, like, his image of the Batman is nothing like it is now. The other guy, Bill Finger, essentially did it. So he does all this work. He dies, basically penniless. And what this researcher doesn't realize, he figures, well, this guy has no children. So there's nobody that can, you know, there's nobody that can sue Warner Brothers to get this guy credit for being a real co-creator of Batman. You need, you need somebody that's a, an heir, basically, to do it. So he goes through his, his research and he finds all these people. And, you know, there's, there's old archival footage of Bob Kane. And, you know, when the Batman 89 came out, Bob Kane came out with a book. It was like Batman and Me or something. And, <laughs> okay. But, oh, that's what it was. I mean, that's why the documentary, Batman and Bill. And Bob Kane in there, like, he actually writes in there. He goes, you know, by the way, this Bill Finger guy did a lot of work and probably should have gotten credit and never did. And he admitted, Bob Kane did, admitted that Bill Finger probably did up to 75% of the creative work on Batman. And this guy never got the credit. So uh, Mark Tyler Nobleman um, spent year, almost a decade researching it, and he found... The guy had a son, Fred Finger, who died, and the the author had no idea that he had had a daughter back in the 70s, and he found her, and he didn't realize that they had actually been trying to get this guy credit for Batman for decades, but, you know, it was Warner Brothers, what are they going to do? So they fought it and fought it yeah. and fought it, and finally, like in 2015, um... Warner Brothers DC agreed to give give this guy credit and anything that was done forward. So the first movie uh, was Batman vs. Superman that he got the credit. It says Batman created by Bob Kane with Bill Finger who was totally uncredited for Batman prior to 2015. But in reality yeah. he was three quarters of the brains behind Batman for, you know, 30, 30, 30 years, just about. And the only thing he ever actually had gotten credit for was him and another guy, one of his friends, wrote a two-part episode of the Adam West Batman. They, they wrote an episode. That was the only thing until 2015 that this guy, Bill Finger, had, had ever gotten credit for. And it's... It's an ama amazing, do terrific documentary about the quest that this guy goes on. And I'm listening, you're watching it. I'm like, what is this guy talking about? Who cares? But you just, you realize how this, you know, this person's contribution was hidden, you know, yeah. by Bob Kane. God knows how much money Bob Kane made off of Batman. <laughs> but that was on Hulu. Well, it says, it says that uh, artist Bob Kane negotiated a contract with National Comics, yeah. which was the, the name before it was called DC Comics. Yeah. He negotiated a contract with National Comics that signed away ownership of the Batman character in exchange for a sole byline on all Batman comics. Right. Among other things, but... Uh, but, I mean, he's still got residuals. 
Did he? Yeah, I think so. I think he still got residuals for years and years and years. Um, but he also got the credit. And so, listen, so, uh, they knew. Yeah, Bob Kane ahead. knew it. Warner Brothers knew it. They knew it for probably 25 or 30 years before they actually did it. They didn't want to give this other guy the credit because they didn't want to be sued, essentially. But Sued by who? I guess the family. You know, this is a billion-dollar industry. They don't want it to be ground to a halt because, you know, some guy's granddaughter says, oh, by the way, I don't want you to make this movie with with my Batman. That's that's my property. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. That's that's ownership issues like that. That's why they, you know, they wouldn't want it to to get involved. But because, like you said, Bob Kane had basically signed his rights away. And look... Siegel and Schuster did the same thing with Superman. You know, they created Superman, and they fought DC until the 40s and gave up, and then fought them again in the 60s and 70s. I mean, Siegel and Schuster fought... I mean, both guys died, I think, in the 90s. But they fought DC Comics and later Warner Brothers for, like, 50, 60 years for to, to to gain yeah. ownership over Superman, which they created. But you know, because of the rules of publishing, you know, in the depression, they they had lost the rights. And in fact, they fired them at, in the 40s, and they took if 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 you go back to Superman stuff that was done in like the 50s and 60s, I forget way back then, they didn't even put Siegel and Schuster. Like they didn't, they wouldn't even give them credit anymore. They were like, you guys are gone. You're dead to us. That's it. Yeah. No. Do you find it interesting that, uh, I, I don't know. It's, I don't know. I just find this kind of stuff interesting. Like I'm reading about Bob Kane, whose real name was Bob Kahn, Bill Finger, whose real name was Milton Finger. And then, and then, um, Joe Schuster and Jerry Siegel and stuff. I find it interesting that a lot of our culture, our our U.S. pop culture as we know it, like Batman, Super... I mean, who are some of the biggest characters ever? Like Batman, Superman, um, a lot of the humor, a lot of the comedy that we know and, and writing and, and all that kind of stuff. All of this stuff was was created by by Jewish people. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Like, I, I don't know why. And, and even like a lot of, so, like, like some of our Christmas songs and like, so all of these things in our culture that we take for granted came from these Jewish artists. I mean, they, they were Americans, but like, but just uh, well, Jewish and, well, family background and stuff. Well, they were second generation and they were almost yeah. all, all those examples you're referring were all guys from New York. They all grew up in New yeah. York City, yeah. and that was the hub of creativity, you know. And they had, you know, mo- most of those guys had backgrounds. They had family backgrounds in comedy or vaudeville. You know, that was a that was sort of an Eastern European staple. Um, but I just feel like it's it's interesting to me because. Uh, and, and I'm only saying this because it's the stereotype, but like, you, you know, people hear the stereotype of like 
oh, you grow up to be a lawyer or a doctor, like some kind of prestigious or, or, or quote, prestigious um, occupation or career or whatever. And it's like, no, a lot of, you know, like I, I'm not the Jewish person expert or whatever, but it just seems like the more I read about these pieces of our pop culture, it's like, oh, these comic book artists were Jewish and these like quote lowly comedians were Jewish and and performers and it's like so much of our U.S. pop culture at least the last hundred something years is is uh, comes from this Jewish um, uh, source, right? Well, I, I I just find that fascinating. Well, again, it wasn't just them. I mean, you had Italians, you had uh, Slavic people it was it was immigrants it was children of immigrants in the 30s and in the 40s and the 50s that influenced american pop culture because the culture that preceded that was very bland (laughs) you know it wasn't much to it and you know i mean before them most of the comedians and performers a lot more irish you know, they were the, the previous generation of, of immigrants, if you will. And then eventually you had, you know, Asian and Hispanic. Um, you know, that's just the way America is. You, know, you want new ideas, you got to bring in yeah. people from new cultures. It's just, you that know, it's is just true. That is true. That's just the way it it's is. It's just it. And it, those people, it's a, yeah. the, the, the thing is, those people who created all those things in the 30s and in the 40s and the 50s, Hollywood and, and in radio and in music and, you know, publishing and everything. I mean, again, they came from their parents immigrated from countries where they were either going to be killed or die of starvation or be indentured servants. And so they had a different, they had a different, uh, I don't want to say different values, but they had they had a different drive to them. They had, their drive was based on something that different. Where you know what, you didn't have to be the best looking person. I mean, Mel, Gro- Mel Brooks looks terrible. <laughs> let's let's be serious. But he was funny, right? Right. You know, uh, the three three Stooges looked like idiots. They were funny, right? <laughs> I know, I know. You know, and I mean, even like. But but like that Jewish sensibility, the humor, the, the I know, but it's life it's, but point my, of view. What I'm saying is it's it's not just it's not just Jewish, it's multiple uh, immigrant groups that left their stamp on the popular culture in various right. ways. And, and but it wasn't right. just them. I mean, there was this remember, this was a time when you got ahead based on incredible hard work. Some good luck, but also getting help from from other people who had already done it, and talent. I mean, again, look at people like Elton John. Looks terrible, but he made a great singer, made great music, great performer. And just just thinking. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, think about like back in the seventies, and people always joke about it was that that time when you had all those like like the soft rock. They were sort of one hit wonders and all, but and then you would like you would. Go back, like say, oh wow, that's a great song and all. And then you would go back and look at them and be like, oh my god, they, these people—they look like bums. Like they right. got a—they yeah. they don't have a face for radio. 
I have a face for the it wasn't toilet. About the lo- yeah, it wasn't about the looks. Well, that's my point. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That, that was my point. And that was the, the way culture went for years and years and years until, I don't know, the last 20 years maybe, where being a celebrity first for doing nothing has in part has in turn become the barometer. I mean, you have these, these, these actors and actresses now who are coming from TikTok and Instagram and stuff like that where they don't do anything. They do fake dances with their hands. They lip sync. <laughs> There's no talent involved right. in this. But because these people have massive followings... They put them in everything. They put them in bad TV shows. They put them in bad reality shows. They make albums. Good God. Why are these people making music? Why? But And they do it. And so there's this flip here where the celebrity is more important than the talent. And how you can yeah. create the celebrity off of nothing. That's where we are at this, this, this late hour. You got anything else? That was it. But nothing. <laughs> that was it. That was a lot. That was good. I thought. I thought that was that was insightful. You know. You, you know what I'll say. You know what I'll say. The the last thing else because who knows if we'll even ever <laughs> record another episode. Or, at this point, we're doing like one a year. But I mean, we, we we'll can do do more. It's just not nothing much no, has I happened. Know. We still have I to know. get we, Spaceman we'll, David on this thing, but he's. We do. Yeah. He's in. A, you know, he's many hope, hours ahead. I hope he's okay. I mean, anybody, Esteban, he's on Twitter. Or whoever, Dennis, or anybody. I don't know. Um, I'll say, uh, I, I, yeah, we'll we'll do like our annual, like you know, our one one episode a year, like year in review what? or whatever. One but, episode? No, there'll be other. Things. No, I'm just saying. I'm just saying at this rate, but. I just wanted to say that we've been doing, you and I have been recording this show for so many years now that um, <clears throat> we started in our 20s. We're in our 40s now. And it's just interesting. Um, I feel like it's an interesting record of like the evolution of people. <laughs> what? Because it's like, okay, here, here we started in our 20s. We were trying to emulate, like, like, we were trying to do, like, the whole, like, silly, zany, shock jock, yes. fast-talking kind of thing. Yeah, and we then, did all those bits. We always had bits. Yeah, but, and, and, like, you know, some stupid stuff or whatever. And then as the show progressed, okay, now we're, then we're in our 30s, and, like, we slowed down a little bit more conversational. And then, and then you know, further on in our 30s, we just became... Like, if you listen to a lot of early episodes, we were doing this on purpose. It's exaggerated. But we were doing, like, like, um, uh, like everything's black and white and everything's stupid or this yeah. is – or whatever. And there was now in our 40s, more enlightened, more uh, – we've evolved as people. And it's like, oh, well, I, well, there's nuance to things and we know more and we're just a little more understand. I'm just saying it's an interest that, like, if someone were to ever want to torture themselves and do listen to all 312 episodes of the Porn Stevens and people show, have done this, they would in the past, yes, yeah. but 
to do all 312, people would see the progression of you and me as people and, and how we started off young and, and brash and like silly and stuff. And now we're having, even though we're still silly and, and talking about silly things, but just in a more relaxed, uh, nuanced way a little bit. Well, like, uh, yeah, I mean, like, it's it's just, yeah. you know, our age group and our generation and generation before us and generation after us, I mean, we are now being phased out of the popular culture in some ways. <laughs> in some right. ways, not a it's but, inevitable, yeah. But you know, yeah. I, you know, the one I don't know if it was this episode, or the last one I was talking about, the Mandalorian, you know, Star Wars, which is going right. on, you know, forty-five years or whatever the heck it is. That's so, right. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, we're not even the original Star Wars generation when you think about it. We're like the second generation of that, and it's yeah. still going and it's part of the popular culture, but it's it's still not really for us, like. We we can complain about it and things like that, but it's not really for us. It's 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 been it's been pushed on, which is why we don't do the show as much anymore. Because we are the two of us are, are sort of in our generation, we're sort of being pushed away out of you know being pushed out of the popular culture. Which is why I you know I was saying that I've liked shows like Stranger Things and things like that that look back at our childhood or adolescence. And things like that that we could yeah. relate to, because I gotta be honest, yeah. I c- I couldn't tell you one thing between 2005 and 2021 that has really changed for us. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's well, well, other than us as people. No, but what, I, what I'm saying is, is yeah, we like have our, a record. Like our of, interests uh, haven't changed. <laughs> We're st- Really? No, but but we've become more open-minded. I'm just saying it's cool that we have this recorded uh, project that shows our progression as people from... No one cares about it. No, but it's still cool, though, to me that it's like... I don't know. It just shows our progression as more... I mean, look, we're still... Think about it. We're still doing an audio-only podcast. <laughs> I know for the like, everybody now well, does video. Now I only listen to the audio. I mean, I listen to many, yeah. many audio podcasts from all different celebrities, yeah. racing, whatever. But right, but they all have video portions that I don't even bother with. But now Me everybody neither. does that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everybody's on YouTube. Everybody's on Twitch. Twitch is the big thing. Twitch. Where I have no fri- interest. I have no interest. Listen, I have friends who game on Twitch and they stream it, and they get money for this. This is inco- I can't even comprehend this. Wait a minute. I All right. Wait a minute. I don't even wait like. I don't even like watching myself play a video game. I fall asleep as I'm doing it to watch someone else right. do it. Hold on a minute. Maybe 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 I do have an interest in this uh. because. <laughs> You and I should stream, like, we could play, like, River Raid or something. Oh, well, if we could figure <laughs> two, out the technology, yeah. Two-player. Um, no, but the, the other interesting thing, too, is even if I go back through all the episodes, even when we were in our 20s and being, you know, wannabe shock jocks and silly and loud and fast-talking, even in those episodes, something that... 
I, I don't feel like it was it, it, it was a conscious it, it wasn't an intentional decision, but something that I realized just us as people at our core level, for as much as we made fun of and as much as we bashed and put down and everything, I'm very proud of the fact that we never it, it, it was always like silly stuff. It was never like, oh, we're making fun of that person for being gay. We're making fun of that person for being black or we're putting down Asia. But it was never anything to do with that. It was always like. Yeah, because that stuff is it's just not funny. Exactly. But but back funny. then, but back then people were making a, a lot of comedians. It was gay jokes and black jokes and Asian jokes. And we never again, like we never sat down and, and, and consciously did that. It was just who we are as people. I'm very proud of the fact that we never relied on bashing people for those silly reasons it no, was I always mean, like oh my, michael bay he's he's making bad movies dr phil he's an idiot or donald trump or yeah, michael jackson or, you know yeah michael jackson for all the the wacky shenanigans it, it was never like be, because michael jackson's black or whatever it was never that and but, i'm very well, proud of he that. was black no but but and you know you know what I'm saying? That was never the, the the core of our humor or our mocking or our bashing. It was always for the things that the people were doing, not who the people were. Well, again, and I'm we're, very proud of. Yeah, that. but don't forget, we're inspired by Saturday Night Live and Mad TV and In Living Color and you know those kinds of shows. I mean, they never went there in those shows, and you know they made fun yeah. of celebrities and they made fun of some fun of certain cultures and things like that. But, you know, I mean, it was, I thought it was good hearted, the lighthearted or whatever, when they did it, you know, and yeah. sensibilities change. But I mean, most of the things we went after was, you know, celebrities. Cause they're, they're easy exactly. to make fun of because they're buffoons. Half of them. Exactly. <laughs> you know, 